Hello, dear friends. This is Kardec Radio at 11 p.m., nourishing our souls with Lifting Hope. Lifting Hope is a program, Therapeutic Conversations on Spiritism, based on the book Memoirs of a Suicide by Camilo Botelho through Yvonne Pereira. The book took almost 30 years to be published. From 1926, when Yvonne Pereira started feeling and talking with Camilo to the point when she heard his, his stories, she saw the scenes and little by little, she compiled it throughout the years. And one day, Leon Denis also came along to revise the book, to add educational components to the book, more emphasizing it all, and published by the Brazilian Spiritist Federation. 30 years. Yvonne Perena, Pereira is a true inspiration for us as a medium, as a spiritist, as a pioneer in the works of the suffering suicidal spirits. Many people on earth don't understand the depth of this, but they will. It takes time. At first, people think it's awkward to pray for suicidal spirits. Why? Because we tend to believe that they are doomed to hell. They are not. But Vanessa, they committed suicide. It's a heinous crime. Well, who is the judge? I'm not. You're not. What can we do but to pray, to be one with them, right? They are suffering, and this book describes about the law of action and reaction. A law that we need to understand and also teach our children from the get-go, meaning early stages of life. If you do this, there will be a consequence. If you push, there is a, a, an opposite force against you. And the same for everything in life. We need to prepare ourselves to understand and discern that life is much more than this material life right? Yes. Today, it's precisely about that. And I say this because Camilo, Camilo Castelo Branco, the Portuguese writer who wrote more than 260 books when he was incarnated in the 19th century, he comes to us in this book to share, especially this chapter, previous lives showing to us what we're going to see in the gospel according to spiritism chapter five which is the longest of them all it says causes causes of past causes of our suffering and prior causes of affliction present causes of affliction and as the Spirit says, if there are misfortunes in this life of which humans 
are the primary cause. There are others which, at least in appearance, are completely foreign to them and which seem to touch them fatalistically. Such is, for example, the loss of loved ones and family breadwinners. Such are furthermore the accidents that no foresight could have prevented. The reversals of fortune that frustrate all measures of prudence, natural disasters and congenital infirmities, especially those that take from their unfortunate victims the means of earning their livelihood through labor, such as physical disabilities and mental impairment. Those who are born in such conditions have absolutely done nothing in the present life to deserve without compensation such a sad fate, which they could not avoid, which they are powerless to change by themselves, and which put them at the mercy of public commiseration. This is part of the message, chapter 5, item 6, written by Ellen Kardec, okay? in the book, The Gospel According to Spiritism. This is our introduction for today. What we're going to learn from Camilo today in the book, Memoirs of a Suicide, is, is connected to this very passage in the Gospel According to Spiritism, okay? Now, are you ready? Welcome to Kardec Radio. I see many beautiful friends join, joining our current of togetherness in this learning experience like Jailton. Hello, Jailton. Hello, Daisy. Daisy Gellin, how are you? Hello, Paula. How have you been? Paula de Matos, right? For those who don't know, we know because she's here, member of the SSPA. Solange. Hello, Sol Souza. Hello, Teresa Castro. A big hug to you. Hello, Carol Correa, how are you? Hello, Nora Brasil, how have you been? Hi, John the Rosa, good to see you. Sunshine, hello, dear friend, how are you? Hello, Rihanna, it's good to have you here with us. Thank you for joining us, and of course, if you are there, out there, and I can see you, you can write comments and uh, join us, right, Libya? Hello, Libya. Sayig, how have you been? And our beautiful Florida, right, Libya? Are you ready, friends? Because this chapter today is intense. Have you put your seatbelt? Buckle up. Because the journey today is like Universal Studios, okay? A lot of emotions. Hello, Mara, Lucia, Marciano. Thank you for joining us. Okay, I'm going to open the book. I have it here on my phone. Almost like not only mine, because you can see the hearts, Virginia hearts. It's mine and her at the same time, right? She decorates and I use it. So, chapter 20, a continuation of our chapter yesterday. Where have we been in the story? 
we're trying to make it as light as possible, though the story is the story of our lives. Yes, Camilo's story resembles the stories of majority of people on earth. Why? Because we are evolving from a planet of trials and expiations to a planet of regeneration. Regenerative planet. In this transition, we still go through trials, expiations, right? Okay, so we're going to see Camilo telling about his deeds and the inevitable expiation. At the end of chapter 19, Camilo reveals to us that the teacher Epaminondas, the Vigo, in his course about sciences and self-knowledge, he brings each student to their own revisiting of previous lives. It's Camilo's turn. Two assistants bring Camilo to the stage, sit him down. There's a screen. The teacher is going to help project Camilo's previous lives recordings, which is in our Paris spirit. Andre Luiz in the book Evolution into Worlds talks about the mental body in chapter two. It's projected to the screen and we can revisit the life. So, you may be asking, what happened? He needs to understand the roots of his rebelliousness that also induced him to commit suicide. He goes back all the way to year 33. Year 33, Camilo goes back there and sees himself right at the place where Jesus is being judged by the people. Pontius Pilate is there. Barabbas is there, the criminal. And he is poor, miserable. Camilo back then was evil. He said he envied everyone. When he saw Jesus with his full expression of harmony, he envied Jesus. And he said, no, with the whole people, we want Barabbas to be released. And he confessed. He was so ignorant, such a suffering being, he couldn't stand seeing the light, the beauty, the majesty of somebody who was poor, but not poor in the way that he was. He condemned Jesus amongst other people. He followed Jesus in his martyrdom. And he says, I, I wanted to stone him, 
but I didn't because he was protected by the guards. He even bullied Mother Mary in her suffering at Jesus' passion. And from that day on, when Jesus died, Camillo then, in year 33, kept persecuting those who followed Jesus, turning them to authorities, and he was also present at Stephen's martyrdom. He was one of the people who was cursing, who was helping to put him down. Are you surprised? Camilo. Camilo, the spirit that animated the body of Camilo Castelo Branco in the 19th century, was a man of that type back in the days of Jesus Christ. The 19th century intellectual, a writer, he committed suicide because of his blindness, but he was bright, brilliant. He had a difficult life in the 19th century. And yet, he lost his mother at an early age. He had difficulties in his family. He lost his wife through death very early in the marriage. He became blind. And yet, he didn't correct his rebelliousness after almost 2,000 years. Was that the reason why he kept himself unbalanced throughout those centuries and in the 19th century committed suicide? No. When we go to chapter 20, it's titled, The Cause of My Blindness in the 19th Century. Throughout this chapter, we're going to let everybody know of the main reason why he went blind in the 19th century, okay? In the first decades of the 17th century, he was born in Toledo, Spain, okay? And he reincarnated, he says, once more for a much needed learning experience that would free my badly confused spirit, and which would help pay down the debts of my conscience before the incorruptible law. The trials of resignation to poverty, of passive and regenerative humility, of devotion to the institution of family were imperative in addition to the rectifying of the debt of a broken oath of love. I was born in a, an old family of bankrupt nobles who at the time were besieged by insurmountable adversities such as political and religious rivalries as well as disagreements with the crown. In my early youth, I was illiterate 
fraught by hard toil in the fields. And then I will summarize to you a little bit, okay? <clears throat> he had a father who was cruel, a provincial nobleman, whose unrestrained religious pride, inspired by the ideas of reformation, had disgraced him before the king. He was suspected of being unfaithful to the Catholic Church and was thus watched very closely. He was strict with his family and the servants. The harsh duties of my farming responsibilities only added to the poignant longing that afflicted me. Okay. But he wanted to be like his cousins who used to be in Madrid and were doing so well. They were either noblemen, military men, other members were in the religious, Catholic religious traditions like the Society of Jesus. He envied, you see, something, a, a conditioning that he had since ancient times. He was envious and jealous since ancient times. And in this life, he repeats the same old conditioning. So let's put a pause here. Because yesterday, we're trying to understand the root causes of our present, let's say, personality profile. Now, we see Camilo as someone who brings that jealousy, that spite, that rebelliousness, that envy since ancient times. He says, I envied those wealthy, powerful relatives and felt that I was ready to make any sacrifice necessary to reach the same social position. Hello, Silvio Tero, how have you been? Pause again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, as it is reported in the book, Good News, right? By Humberto de Campos, Brother X, through Chico Xavier. Nicodemus, it's not enough to know the scripture. We need to feel it. So now, you and I are being asked by the good spirits to revisit inside of us tendencies that we have been bringing since ancient times. It's important for us, self-knowledge. We need to have that courage to see ourselves as we are, as we've been, and correct ourselves. Because he had those things inside of him and he just reacted. He didn't tame those tendencies. He looked at his wealthier, more successful relatives, and he said, I'm going to do anything to be the same. How many people become immigrants because they are running away from their family settings because they cannot put up with being less, materially speaking? That doesn't exist being less, but people think they are less. So they go, they move to the US, they move to Europe, they move to Australia, they move to other places. 
because like a meal, they will do any sacrifice necessary to reach the same social position. And then they come and they suffer. They start making mistakes and they never find true happiness. Just a comment. One day I told my mother about my desire, which grew stronger as I grew older, making me unhappy and unsatisfied. The poor woman who together with her children and the servants also felt the oppression of our father, the domestic tyrant, advised me prudently as if inspired by heaven to put a damper on my wishes by being obedient to the family's principles, the principles of the family I was born into. He didn't care. I finally decided to go to the parish priest and the priest started teaching Camilo how to read and write, talk him about culture, teaching him things. And Camilo is quite smart. So the priest, you know, impressed by his intellectuality, he kept on teaching Camilo and the father didn't know anything. And the priest kept the secret to himself. One day, Camilo tortured by many things, started thinking about becoming a priest as a way to satisfy his ambitions. I thought it would be a secure and easy way to fulfill the purposes that captivated me. It certainly was not an honorable awakening of a divine calling to serve the causes of the good and justice through a proficient ministry. And then he talked about he talked about this with the priest, but thank God the priest advised him otherwise, said, you know, the gospel of the Lord must be served with a fervent love for the good and endless self-denial, in which we must often die to the world and its passions and even to ourselves. And he keeps talking about the whole ministry. And he even quotes Jesus when Jesus said, if you would like to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. But we cannot use Jesus to achieve material ambitions. But was it sufficient for him? Mm, yes and no. The priest started talking to him about making a family teaching his children about God. He said, start a home, teach your children to revere God and justice and to love their neighbor. Be a friend to everyone around you, caring for the fields, animals and servants that serve you. For all of this is a sublime ministry and is sacred service to the Lord of the vineyard. And Camilo, said the idea of marriage quickly replaced my old aspirations the advice of the good servant of the gospel had made a strong impression on me hasty and passionate i surrendered to the noble objective with my whole heart i felt desperately in love and now put a pause here how many people have this hasty nature and this rebelliousness inside of them this feeling of inferiority and they go, they need, 
And some people nowadays, they go after degrees because they are not satisfied in their skin. They start going from one degree to the next, to the next, to the next. Just like Camilo. Not because they really want to help society, but because they want to feel more. Because they're still envious, jealous, feeling inferior deep, deep, deep inside. And then they go after degrees or they get married, not for the right reasons, just to have the cards that we play in society. Like many people, if you want to be a CEO, most likely you need to be married, have children. Statistics tell, especially if you are a man. It's much easier. And people do it not necessarily because they love the person or because they want to do it, because they are competing all the time. And unfortunately, we have to say, nowadays, in the spiritist movement, there are many people who enter it. They are dissatisfied with everything in their lives. But they start marching towards almost like a career in spiritism, which doesn't exist. They start creating curriculum, like resume. I've seen people who show to me saying, you see... This is how long I've been working. This is everything I've done this far. And they think it's a career. And that's very unfortunate because we, we repeat the mistakes we committed when we were at the churches. We think that this will satisfy us, but we cannot any longer use the name of Jesus, the name of God, and these sacred works to project ourselves. We can't. You know why? Because Spiritism teaches us to know better. When we were then, we didn't know what we know nowadays. But with Spiritism, it's clear. There's no competition. As the priest said, look at what the priest said. If you read all the instructions by the priest, it's a living ladder that guides all of us. Amongst them, he said, be a friend to one around you. Be a friend. That's charity, benevolence towards everyone. I cannot use the spiritism to project myself. And there are people who have careers in their profession and yet because there are limitations to the projection of yours in your career you make yourself be satisfied by projecting yourself into the spiritist movement but not in terms of work but in terms of positions i have positions and we do lots of administrative meetings, a waste of time, of energy, of sacred gifts from God. And if you ask, what is the right way? Yes, you need to work for the benefit of all. 
but focusing on people who are suffering. Working to help people who are around the world suffering from the lack of this knowledge, for not having a shoulder to listen to them and to share some guidance and so many other things. But we can no longer repeat the mistakes of the past and we'll pay a high price for it because there is one law, action and reaction. Camilo quickly drove himself insane and he recalled, yes, from the numerous girls that beautified the village, there was this one girl, his mother's niece, Maria Magda. She was beautiful. She had black, fragrant, fragrant, waist-lengthed, braided hair, along with languid and seductive eyes. Like me, she was the daughter of bankrupt nobles. Etc. Etc. I started courting her ardently. I was very much in love right from the beginning of the romance, as would suit a violent and rebellious character such as mine. I thought that she felt the same way. I was unaware of the fact that only the loneliness of a village lacking gay, gallant young men and isolated on the sad outskirts of Toledo had created the opportunity considered irresistible in my dreams. I loved the young Maria. And then one day, adversity haunted his steps. One day, a man named Jacinto de Ornelas e Ruiz, who was from the Royal Guard, handsome, came to Maria's house Spent a month there, and guess what? He was a nobleman. He had the wealth and everything that Camilo didn't. And before noticing, she got engaged and even married to Jacinto. Camilo says that the betrayal she inflicted on my sentiments of dignity made him feel humiliated. I would fail in the purposes for which I had reincarnated, forgetting the advice and warnings of selfless friends due to the inconformity and rebelliousness that were the nature of my personality. Pause, 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 pause. If somebody doesn't want to be with you, thank God and take care of yourself. Don't go after this person. Bless them and move on. Don't go after. Don't ask. Just say, oh, well, if this person chose otherwise, this person doesn't deserve me, period. Don't you love yourself more? Camilo didn't love himself. How do we know? His sequence of behaviors shows to us a man who hated himself so much that he projected that hatred towards others. If you go to the book Thought in Life by the Spirit Emmanuel, 
through Chico Xavier. There is a chapter titled Duty 21, followed by the chapter titled Guilt, which is 22. Emmanuel reveals to us that when we don't fulfill ourselves, our duties, we start disliking ourselves and others. Guilt mounts. And when guilt mounts, we start projecting that self-hatred onto others. That's what Camilo did. Because if he loved himself and really loved Magda, not out of passion, but if he loved himself first, as Jesus recommended, love yourself, then you'll be able to love others. Love others as you love yourself. He wouldn't go after. He wouldn't allow the person to go away. So, in the next 24 hours, and I'll give it from the get-go, because if you go away now, before the end of the story, that's an exercise for us to practice. Self-love. Vanessa, how do I work on it? There are many ways. The main and first step is to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. It's a must that I love myself because God created me. And when we love ourselves, we won't allow people's actions towards us eat us up. Why? Because they're entitled to their behavior, but we have to take care of ourselves. If somebody rejects us, they're not rejecting us. Maybe they are in another frequency. Oh, but Vanessa, they promised, they said, I love you. Too bad for them. It's easy to say, no, it's not easy. I've been through that myself. And bless and go. Don't go after the person. Don't go after the person. To ask why. To take a second chance. No, 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 no. They left. Close the door and say, God bless you. You can cry. But pray and say, I love myself more. This is not pride. This is self-love. Jesus, our guide and model, taught us daily. If you are not welcome in somebody's home, shook your sandals, take everything, the dust off, and go. Even in the house of somebody's heart. Don't go after. Okay? Clear? But what is the exercise? Yes, let it go. You're right. So, what do we need to do in the next 24 hours? Work on our self-love. Self-love based on God. Not this vain self-love like I love myself just because. No, that doesn't make any sense. But I love myself because... 
question number one of the Spirit's book. I am not self-made. I am created by God. Thus, it's a must that I love myself. I love and approve of myself, including the things I haven't developed yet in ways that are pleasing to God. I love and approve of myself in ways that are pleasing to God. I love and approve of myself in ways that are pleasing to God with five pounds more than you want, with less money in the bank account than you wanted, with uh, the car that you want or you don't want, with this or that, it doesn't matter. It's unconditional, okay? Because Camilo, he swore eternal hatred for both of them. But you know why he swore eternal hatred? Because he had it inside of him against himself. Because look what he did to Jesus. What he did to Mother Mary, to the primitive Christians. He didn't approve of himself. His conscience for centuries were still struggling in rebelliousness, in blindness, in lack of self-approval. So he, as Emmanuel said in the book, Thought and Life, when you feel guilty, you don't approve of yourself, you start also projecting this disapproval onto others. You dislike yourself, you start detesting others as well. So that's why Camilo projected his spite, his wrath, his rancor, planned for revenge, inclined my mind to the usual suggestions of evil, making my life a living hell without any relief, a desert without any hope. But remember, he made a choice. We can choose. He chose to feel tormented, to feel humiliated. But Vanessa, he was. No, he was not. Maria, Magda, and Jacinto didn't get together to create suffering for Camilo. He took that offense freely on his own. And even when people do it, deep inside, as Jesus said, they don't know what they are doing. I believed my friends were ridiculing me, that my name bore the brunt of their jokes, since several of them had discovered my secret. I completely lost the will to work. And he says... I banned marriage from my aspirations, encasing my rebellious heart, the longing for the short romance, my old thoughts about entering priesthood began whispering in my mind again. I gave them shelter with all my might. So, at the end of the day, you already know, as soon as his father's, his father's die, he dismissed his mother's wishes 
to manage the farm. He, he says, my life was overcome with an uncontrollable restlessness. He wanted to become a priest, enter the society of Jesus, as he said, to do what? He said, I obeyed everybody. I was the best on my best behavior. He said, I obeyed my superiors with fervent zeal, satisfying their every desire. I learned to serve the interests of the church as well as those of the society's clergy above any others. I will not mention the divine cause. I did not espouse it, nor did I even consider it in order to educate my soul with the divine, with the light of just justice and duty. I did not learn to love God or to serve the redeeming master in the community I had affiliated myself with. And he says, in order to accomplish all these detestable purposes that he had to persecute Maria Magda and Jacinto, I served the laws of the Inquisition. I persecuted, arrested, slandered, lied, condemned, tortured, and killed. Pause. What he's doing in the 17th century is something that he was already doing in the first century. So, whatever we are doing evil nowadays, mark it down. We've done worse in the past because we never regress. Now imagine if what we do today is this, imagine what we've done in previous lives. And the many people we hurt. But yes, I'm going to turn this off because I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to call it Paminondas to tell all of us, sit still. And keep yourself focused, all of us. It shall pass. We need this lesson. If we're going through this journey with Camilo today, we need it. Because we are in this transition. We need to revisit many things to grow stronger. He said, such was the madness. I myself, at some point, became a vi victim of that very institution because in recognizing my submission for the favors I had received, my superiors took advantage of my sentiments and induced me to commit abominable crimes, certain as they were that I would be incapable of betrayal. Then he starts talking about everything, the Inquisition, for a long time, I forgot about the two that had betrayed me. I did not go looking for them, nor was I interested in their fate. They had moved to Holland, where Jacinto de Ornelas was responsible for the military operation. However, one day, chance, which doesn't exist, brought them together again. Fifteen long years had passed. One day, he's at a gathering. Jacinto is there. He sees Jacinto. 
and his wife. They had children. Maria was a beautiful and courtly woman, known in society for her impeccable virtues. She was 33 years of age. But the old passion flared up, she said, even more ardently once I started to see her again every week. While officiating at one of the churches of our diocese, she wanted to come across as a good Catholic in order to hide the secret reformist inclinations of her family. I wanted to attract her and receive the amorous attention that she had denied me before, etc. But, you know, she was faithful, she was loyal, she resisted Camillo with dignity, displaying total disinterest in the love I laid for at her feet. I attempted to entice her by conveying all the power I possessed in the society all over the world, etc. But she rejected him. And Jacinto became aware of his passion for Maria. So Jacinto quickly talked to people, his superiors, to ask them to be transferred to another country, to Madrid, to the city of Madrid. But you know what? Camilo found out. When Camilo found out, he got desperate. He went desperate. And you know what he did? He turned Jacinto de Ornelas to the Holy Office as a reformist. Inquisition. Out of personal reasons. He gave them proof. And after indicted and imprisoned, Jacinto was handed over to Camilo then. He put him in a dungeon and he started torturing him torturing him in the most despicable way he had his fingernails and teeth yanked out his fingers and wrists disjointed the soles of his feet slowly burnt he was flogged until his flesh shredded man he was evil. Then one day, Maria came to see him. She begged to release the husband. You know what Camilo did? He said, okay, Maria, you shall have your husband back, but under one condition, from which I shall never release you, not ever surrender to me, be mine. Agree to unite your life with my, even if it has to be in secrecy. I will return him to you and never bother him again. She resisted for a few days. One day, she surrendered. But you know, she surrendered physically. But Camilo was mad because he could see that she despised him. And he says, now the connection from that life in the 17th century to a life back in the first century. At that point, from the depths of my psychical being emerged 
the malefic tendencies that in Jerusalem in the year 33 had compelled me to condemn Jesus of Nazareth and favor the freedom of the criminal Barabbas. In addition, much caprice and pride led me to desire Maria's ruin. Pause, because the story itself is not very important. What is important is to understand how we function. If we don't educate our emotions according to the Christ consciousness, if we really do not educate ourselves, discipline ourselves, that's where discipline comes in, to tame pride, selfishness, we will repeat mistakes for millennia, like Camilo. Throughout 17 centuries, he was a despicable spirit with malefic evil tendencies that didn't go away. We're not going to be less ignorant by osmosis. Oh, one day it's my bad tendencies will go away. No. In the gospel according to spiritism, it says we need to tame it. It takes effort and repetition. If you say, Vanessa, I am a needy person. How do I change it? It's not going to go away naturally. You need to make effort and repetition of new healthy behaviors, as I do too. It's not going to go away like this. If you have any form of addiction, any form of vicious, like, uh, tendencies, we need to train ourselves to counter-condition it. In psychology, we call it counter-conditioning. But that's not going to happen out of the blue. We're going to see God giving us opportunities to work on it. But you know what do we do daily in our daily lives? The opposite. When life presents us an opportunity to cool the flames of our anger, we become more angry. We say, oh, I pray to be patient. But the next day, somebody tested my patience. Well, but didn't you ask to be patient? God is helping you, sending you opportunities to practice it. Oh, but I don't want to practice. Then don't ask to be patient. Allow yourself to suffer in impatience. Because God's going to help us. God is going to help us overcome all of our tendencies. How? In daily life. Sending people, circumstances that will work on our pride, on our ego. People who are going to do exactly like they're going to push that button. And we say, thank you. Because you made me better. Because I didn't surrender anymore to that tendency. You were the one who crowned my graduation to another level. Somebody betrayed you. 
Yes, we may be upset at first, but then you know what? Leave them alone. It's their karma, not mine. No longer mine. I am already expiating. I'm sorry for you. When you know how it hurts, you wouldn't do it again. I pray for you now. And like Abraham Lincoln, who the minute he discarnated, because he was so superior, a missionary spirit, he discarnated, he already knew who his killer was, Booth. When Booth discarnated, and you can read this at the Spiritist magazine, I don't remember the issue number, but if you go there, there is Abraham Lincoln on the cover. There is that story there told by uh, an American medium. Booth was discarnating. And who came to his rescue? Abraham Lincoln. And you know his reaction? Booth's, the killer's reaction. When he saw Lincoln, he was like in mixed feelings, joy thinking I killed him, but fear thinking, oh my gosh, he is not dead. He's here after me. And why is Lincoln there to help him out? And before God, Lincoln asked the permission to coach Booth to goodness. Isn't that amazing? Who knows one day the people who hurt us the most will receive from us like Jesus does to us, to Camilo and all of us. Come and help out of mercy, out of compassion, but it's not worthwhile avenging, cultivating hatred. He says here, I emerged the malefic tendencies from the first century. You and I today may be tasked at the core of conditionings we have been cultivating for centuries. And it's our turn to put an end and say, no longer I will give room to these tendencies. Enough is enough. I will no longer go there. Not in thought, not in feelings, no, neither actions or words. You do it consciously by being positive, by telling yourself, I know better. My garden angels is with me. I can resist and I can choose the good. Seek the good. Remember Emmanuel in chapter 10. Now it makes more sense when he says, if you want to cut the shackles that imprison us to the past, seek the good. Camilo didn't. He didn't seek the good. Seek the good, feel the good, visualize the good, mold the good, meaning make an effort. 
right? Make an effort. Yes, it's amazing. And while the wretched couple suffer the bitter drama that modern individuals cannot comprehend except through the colors of legend, I was jubilant with glee at seeing my victory over her. But my spite only grew with this victory. Now more than ever, I was aware of her contempt. So he was mad. Mamma mia. What did he do? He said, okay, I'm going to release him to you. But you didn't ask me to release him. Whole. He blinded Jacinto. And this was the cause of the misfortune that for three centuries has persecuted my spirit like a sinister shadow of myself, projected over my destiny, a misfortune for which it will take centuries to see its dolorous epilogue. Therefore, I had his eyes gouged out with red-hot iron, like thus barbarically disfiguring him, forever plunging him into the darkness of indescribable torment. And you know what happened? When Jacinto went home, he was unable to accept this unexpected and deplorable situation. He didn't want to be a burden to his wife or to his children. And you know what he did? He committed suicide. Two months after being freed, assisted, assisted by his youngest son, who in the innocence of his five years of age, gave his father the dagger that he had discreetly asked for. Jacinto rested the tip of the blade on his throat while thrusting the other end against the table thus ending his existence. Mary Magda returned with his children, her children to the village. And since then, Camilo never saw her again. It's been more than 300 years since their last encounter. Repentance did not take long to initiate a powerful reaction within my abominable being. You see, self-hatred. The more we decide not to do the good, the more we're going to feel guilty and dislike ourselves. That's why it's so hard to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I love and approve of myself. Because deep inside, we're like, I can't. Look what I've done. If not in this life, in people's lives, we feel it. But you know what? We need to start over. God is saying you need to conquer yourself. Camilo said that he repented. From there on, he said, he started expiating. He didn't feel the joy of doing anything. And he stopped following 
the abominable causes of the holy office at the time. And he was imprisoned. He started expiating. He says, to narrate what my struggles have been, the tears that have burned my anguish and desolate soul, the unusual forays of tormenting remorse imposed by a guilty conscience in some, the whole string of dramatic events that have persecuted me ever since would be an exhausting task. Only in the second half of the 19th century, and only then, did I ready myself for the last phase of inalienable expiations, blindness. So from the 17th century to the 19th century, he reincarnated several times. He doesn't tell exactly what were they, but expiating. But the ultimate expiation in blindness was when he was Camilo Castelo Branco. He couldn't take it. He killed himself too. The same horror Jacinto de Ornelas felt with his blindness. I myself felt three centuries later when I found that I had lost my eyesight, the mental torment, the anguish, the insufferable humiliation, the inconsolable, the inconsolable despair at being at the mercy of darkness, leading that poor man to commit the fatal wrong of suicide, also accumulated within my own being with such devastating fury that I copied his gesture becoming a suicide in 1890 as he had been in the middle of the 19th century. Breathing in and out. He ends the chapter by saying, whether you believe me or not, dear reader, you cannot destroy the lines of truth dimly expounded in these pages. The sad story of humanity with its burdens and misfortune of misfortune, which you know so well, is right in front of you every day, displaying examples identical to those I have just finished presenting to you. Our past cause of sufferings. I know. Few people want to talk about this. And that's why we keep making a lot of mistakes. Because we are escaping away from the courage to face ourselves. And we keep making choices out of fear, out of spite, out of jealousy, out of pride, out of selfishness. Repeating old conditionings from ancient times. Let us not forget, this life is the opportunity to say, as my father said once to me, I remember it and I thank him for it 22 years ago. I was going through a situation and I said, Dad, I feel humiliated. I can't go back there. And he said, my dear daughter, if you feel that you need to go through the learning of humility, go there. Bow your head and allow yourself to learn the lesson that you think 
you need. He encouraged me. Unlike many parents who would say, don't go back. Don't bow your head. Don't be humiliated. He said, no, no, no. You can do it. It's not going to eat you up. How many times my parents, my grandparents said, I don't want to hear complaints about what people are doing to you. I want you to think what you're doing to attract it. Because on us, it is only to understand that we need to forgive. Lessons that I need to practice daily, all of us. But today is the day when we can put an end to old conditionings and say, with effort and repetition, I am anew. I am not the old person I've been for centuries. I am anew. I am anew in the name of God because God wants me to be anew. That's our exercise for the next 24 hours, shall we, friends? For now, we invite you to pray together. Let us pray. Yes, Jailton. Don't feel overwhelmed. Just be encouraged to tell yourself that you're not the same, that you're different, that we're different because we're choosing otherwise. Right? We no longer approve of that. We bless our compassionate towards ourselves and others and say, I am anew because God invests on me daily saying, I believe in you. Hear God's voice saying, I believe in you, Jailton, and move on. I believe in you. And you say, yes, sir. Yes, Lord. And so shall I. Believe in yourself. Let us believe in ourselves because God believes in us. Believed in Camilo and Camilo delights us sharing his story because it's our story and because he succeeded in overcoming it. And so shall we. Okay? So let us play the Ave Maria and pray for the suicidal spirits. For them. Let us pray, visualizing Mother Mary and her son, our Master Jesus. Let us pray together, okay? Dear Mother, Father God, We thank you for bringing my Mother Mary and Jesus to our lives. And now we pray that Mother Mary hears our pleas in favor of those brothers and sisters of ours who are suffering the aftermath of their suicide. May they feel the envelopment 
of Mother Mary's blanket of healing light, warming them up, strengthening them, bringing them relief and consolation, while her legion of loving servants rescues each and every one of them in love and kindness. We also visualize with you, dear mother, your loving approaching to minds and hearts who are incarnated thinking of committing suicide. We visualize them being wrapped up in blankets of your healing light as you whisper to them lovingly and caringly, my dear child, this shall pass. My dear child, this shall pass. My dear child, this shall pass. And Mother Mary, thank you for inviting us to the awareness of this aspect of life where many suffer and need help. Thank you for inviting us also to join you. We're not only honored, but we feel beautiful. We pray for the relief of our planet Earth in this critical time in which many people are being tasked at the core of their strength. May your loving blanket of healing light envelop the whole planet in kindness, serenity, in hope always. May we stay under your inspiration today and always and so be it. Thank you, friends, for joining us today. Thank you for your loving kindness and let us stay connected through this exercise of self-love. After all, we are beloved children of God as well. Thank you, friends, and until tomorrow here at Kardec Radio, lifting up our hopes and nourishing our souls daily. Thank you. <laughs>